Coming up on BYU Football with Kalani Sitake, the Cougs are coming off their first loss of the season with a sneak peek at life in the Big 12 as BYU looks to bounce back from the Boise setback with a battle at Baylor. The head coach is here, and he's coming up next. This is BYU Football with Kalani Sitake, presented by Intermountain Healthcare. And now, your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Well, hello once again, Cougar Nation. Welcome back inside Studio C at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah, for our Week 7 edition of the Sitake Show. We have a live studio audience with, audience with us. Do we not? You're all live? You're our audience? Are you here? Yes. And uh, we invite our viewing audience to join the conversation on social media using hashtag Sitake Show to get your weekly questions into tonight's program. For those watching live, you can take part in our live polls via the Opine app, which is on your phone. Watch for poll questions throughout the show tonight, coming up on this evening's broadcast. We'll go inside the film room tonight with wide receiver Puka Nakua. We'll preview this weekend's matchup with Baylor down in Waco. We'll do our weekly check on our Cougars in the NFL, and Deep Blue will profile the Nakua brothers. To get our show underway, we say hello to the head coach of the Cougars. He is Kalani Sitake. What's going on? Oh. Well, uh, our, our crowd tonight braved the weather to get here. And yeah, I appreciate though, it. Even Thanks, though things guys. have chilled out, I told them before the show, we know it's really turned. The weather's really turned when you're not wearing shorts. Yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> I'm, it's just the, the vanity in me. I want to just show off my legs a little bit. That's no matter what the weather is. But that's, uh, I mean, that's, uh, I don't know. My legs don't get as cold as my upper half. So I just <laughs> always wear hoodies. And, you are pretty bundled up top, yeah. Yeah, I am. Yeah, but the, the, shorts, the shorts fit. Even though no one else is wearing shorts right now. But. <laughs> That's all right. The trend will, someone will follow the trend. You guys inside or outside uh, these days? Uh, we were inside because it was wet. Um, usually if, it, if the footing is off and then we're also playing on, on field turf. Right. And so um, it's just a little bit tight, but uh, you know, there's a lot of crossover with our offense and our defense. And so the prep has been really nice the last two days. Yeah. What do you think you've gotten from your guys in the first two days of work after a tough loss on the weekend? Yeah, I, I really appreciate the, the, the players showing up and, and with excitement and, uh, optimism to work you know I, I know that um, it's it's always tough when you're when you're coming off of failure and loss and uh, but I'm always our culture is about love and learn and so we, we love what we do and who we do it for and um, but also to maximize our opportunity to learn and sometimes that means you have to overcome the embarrassment of the performance and the guilt and shame and and those are hard when when you're when you have those a party it's hard to, to learn so we have to overcome that and and have a uh, positive attitude so we can move on and learn. And, and the guys showed up on Monday with a great attitude and, uh, you know, with a lot of energy. And so um, I've been really pleased with the last two days. And But I've been always pleased with the guys' effort. You know, we, we just need to uh, correct some things and, and, and be better. And, and hopefully that will show this weekend. From your days as a player to a younger coach to now a more experienced coach, how have those Mondays or work weeks been for you coming off games that don't go so well? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've always... I always go back to, to um, looking at the way Lavelle handled it, and you, you could never tell, I mean, five minutes after a game whether we won or lost by the way Lavelle handled himself. And I always remember him. I have these, these uh, memories of him um, walking towards the buses and then greeting his wife, Patty, 
with the same uh, happiness and excitement, regardless of the outcome of the game. So he led by a great example, and uh, I always I, that that was something that I, I was really impressed with as a young man, as a, as a player under him. And uh, I hope I can do the same thing for for our players, you know. And that example sticks with me even to the, to, to today. And and when he shows up on Monday to work, it it didn't really matter if it was a, a win or a, lo or a loss. He was he was ready to work and ready to get get, get on to the next one. And that's our mentality right now is, is to, you know, ask the guys in the locker room to, to find ways to overcome it and enjoy their families. And, and, um, and then we'll get back to work and, and, and find ways to get better. And that's, that's what I've seen so far in the last two days and looking forward to, to the next few more before we get to the game. Yeah, you are. I head to Baylor. We're going to take a couple of quick, quick notes uh, back at Boise State uh, before we move on. And one of the storylines to come out of the game against Boise was the return of Jaron Hall at, at starting quarterback. How did he look to you? I thought he made some really good decisions. I thought, I mean, he was a little bit um, banged up still, you know, but uh, from what we saw in the week of practice, we thought he'd give us the best chance. Uh, I was really impressed with the things that we saw from Jacob Conover and in practice as well. And so uh, it's nice to have that much depth and, and, and to have guys that we can count on. We, uh, you know, Baylor wasn't ready to go, so it was hard to even judge that, but we felt like uh, Jaron was the right one to go with. and. And, um, you know, we just made too many mistakes. And this, I think the most visible ones are obviously the turnovers, but uh, there's, there's enough mistakes to go around from the entire team. Uh, and, and, you know, we're going to try to fix them in all three phases and, and uh, make sure that we perform better this weekend. A-Rod said one of Boise's game plan components is take away QB run, but Jaron wasn't running around as much as we might normally see him. Is that a function of him just kind of still being maybe not quite 100% or...? Yeah, but I think they were trying to load the box up a little bit and just try to uh, take away basically the run game from Tyler and, and from Lopini, and and it opened up some deep some deep shots that we took, you know, and so uh, we just weren't able to finish in the red zone as as, uh, as what we normally do, you know, and uh, so we'll, uh, credit to Boise for making the plays, but we're a lot better than that and more efficient in the in the red zone, especially in the tight red zone when you're that close to the end zone and. Um, just way too many mistakes. And then on defense, we pride ourselves on sudden change defense. Our defense, whenever it's fourth down, you can hear our defensive players saying to go for it, no matter the distance, because they like our, our offense to be on the field. And, um, and then they're, they're up on, you know, on the sidelines getting ready to go just in case. And um, we, we allow them to score some touchdowns off sudden change and on, those, on those turnovers. And, and uh, we've, we've had better response from our defense, and, and they know it. And so we'll, we'll try to make, make sure that... Uh, if that does happen again, that we have each other's backs and, you know, that we play better complementary football between the offense, defense, and special teams. On the offense, what does your core, uh, early week uh, QB situation look like this week? Yeah, Jaron's doing really good in practice. Baylor's practicing as well. Uh, so is jo Jacob. Um, we'll, we'll see how the week goes. Um, a lot of the guys that are banged up are practicing, and uh, we'll, we'll have to assess what the best, you know, who will give us the best chance to perform, you know, as an offense and as a defense the best when we get to the game time. So uh, right now, those guys are, are back. So Harris Chance, Mason Wake, those guys, Beta Romney are back on the field practicing. We'll see what happens on Saturday. We'll see some video of uh, performances from Saturday. Uh, the running backs, uh, Tyler Algier and Lopini Katoa, did combine for 96 rushing yards. Uh, Tyler added 24 uh, through the air. Uh, Dave Aranda, in talking about BYU and the challenge this week, uh, he kind of went right to Tyler Algier. As much as people wanted to say, well, Jaron Hall's kind of the guy, he said, yes, but. He said, I may be, Tyler Algier may be the real focus of that attack and how hard Tyler runs and how 
how, uh, how well he runs. And so there's a lot of recognition about uh, uh, Tyler's importance to uh, your team and maybe what he represents for your team. Yeah, and I think he, he and Lopini, they complement each other in the run game, but, you know, it's going to be up front with the O-line, uh, you know, controlling the line of scrimmage. That's, going to, that's what it comes down to. And, um, you know, I think Boise did some things to take, take Tyler a little, away a little bit, and we're just going to need everyone to step up and, and, uh, in, the, in the passing game as well as the run game and uh, find ways to protect the ball and, and get points on the board on offense and defensively. We've got to create turnovers. We've got to get more disruption and get off the field so our offense can get the ball more and have more opportunities to score. That's a Tyler's eighth rushing touchdown of the year. By the way, Tyler has all eight rushing scores for BYU this year. I think Jackson McChesney came in for maybe one or two pass pro snaps as well. He saw his first action of the year this past weekend. Yeah, it was good for him to get in there. And, and um, you know, we'll see how we, – we, we feel we have a lot of depth at a lot of different positions. And, you know, after the second fumble with Lopini, you thought Jackson deserved to get, get in there and, and uh, you know, rotate with, with uh, Tyler. And Gunnar Romney had another great day. Uh, four catches for 102 yards on the day. He had his career-long catch in this game, too. 59 yards from Jaron Hall. And uh, Gunnar truly is one of the top uh, long ball threats in college football right now. Yeah, and he's dangerous. I mean, I, I, we feel like we have a bunch of receivers that are deep threats. Um, you know, and, and when you give Jaron the time to throw the ball and you have all the, the different weapons that we have down the field, I think uh, we can do some really good things on offense. And uh, you know, the, the problem was just getting it in the end zone when you, when you get more touchdowns. And that's, I mean, A-Rod and the group, they, they know what they need to do better this weekend. So, Gunner, uh, one of the top 25 in most catches of 30 yards or more, the deep balls. And Apuka is a top 40 in yards per reception right now. Since he's come along for you, missing the opener versus Arizona, he seems like he's gotten better and more involved game by game. Apuka uh, had four for 75 on uh, Saturday against Boise. Yeah, he's really getting comfortable with the scheme and, uh, I mean, we've been able to use him in a lot of different ways that we do with also with Neil. And here you see him running the ball. You know, he's, he's got great athleticism and, um, you know, he's got a lot of speed. So we, we have a bunch of guys and we feel like we can utilize them in a lot of different ways. And, um, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And we just, like I said, we, we need to get in the end zone. That, that's going to be the, the, the goal here. Puka and Samson Nakua both had... Uh highlight plays on Saturday. Samson, although we didn't see it, uh, at least in that clip right there, made a great catch in the back corner of the end zone to get you guys up 10 nothing. Yeah, big targets. And, and them with the other guys in the, in the uh, wide receiver core and the tight ends, they have great ball skills. And so sometimes you can just throw it up and let them go get it. Well, as said, after a bit of a slow start to the season after a training camp injury, Puka Nakua has established himself in the top trio of BYU receiving options. Tonight, he goes inside the film room with Jerem Jordan to look back at his latest good game for the Kooks. All right, Puka, obviously first loss of the season. How have uh, you and the guys taken it? It's definitely an interesting one. One, you never want to, you never want to lose any game, but we got a good group of guys and Everybody's going to rally the troops, and we'll get ready to go again on Saturday. Okay, let's highlight some of the good plays from this one. You had four catches for 75 yards, the first of which is on the second drive. 37 yards, a one-hander here. Here, I was like, all right, I got to fight for outside. I just kept going, kept going, and by the time I put my head up, I seen Jaron look back my way, and I was like, all right, here we go. It's game time right here. We were hand-fighting the whole way down the field, but as soon as I put my left arm out, it kind of stuck right too. It just fell right in. The ones downfield are for sure the best. You see the little head slap after. It gets me going, make sure I get the juice still on me. <laughs> So the catch wasn't enough. You had to slap your own head. Yeah. <laughs> I 
uh, yeah, definitely. It always gets me going. Makes makes me sure I'm awake. <laughs> hey, you you're awake. You get the fans awake. Let's look at Samson's touchdown. This is a this is a you got mossed moment, right? Yeah, no, definitely. I'm thinking like I have potential to be in this play. I, I knew the corner was gonna have off, and we go and I look back and then I look at Jared and throw the ball up into the back of the end zone. Like I'm like, oh shoot, and I just turn around and there's Samson right there. And as soon as he came, I was instant. I just started screaming. Like, he has a celebration, and then I I I punched him right here too and make sure he was feeling good. Make sure he's awake too, because that oh man, that was fun to see. It's a movie when you're out there with your brother and he makes those plays. That's awesome, man. Okay, third quarter, you have a jet sweep for 16 yards. This is something you've always been doing with you, but this was the best one yet? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I love it. We, we run it around, we do some uh, to set up our deep action uh, shots, but uh, this one was fun. You know, <laughs> knowing that I got three guys right here, I got Isaac, uh, Dallin, and Tyler right here, so I'm, I'm pretty confident as I'm running the motion. Everybody picked up their box. I saw the opening and to be able to get a first down and kind of get us out of our, our own territory was nice. Okay, and then the last play, 17 yards on the next snap. Yeah, a little, little, little bit gas here, but we hit him with some, I, we hit him with some tempo right here. I think I have another go route, but this is not the same coverage that they gave us in the boundary last time. So he's bailing out and making it easy access. And I look back, and uh, Jaron, we made eye contact, and he threw me right back there. Put it, put it on a rope, make it easy, and then hit another first down to start this drive off and continue to go forward. But you've always got a smile on your face. Where does that come from? I definitely say my mom, and my dad. My <laughs> my mom always has a has a picture of me and my dad when we were little, and she says we're the the Buddha, <laughs> we look like Buddha. <laughs> he just has a big smile on my face. I'm young, I was a young fat baby. That's actually where the Puka, the nickname comes from in Samoan. It means chubby. So it was a it was a family nickname that's kind of there stuck throughout. And it's always better when you have a smile, even through the hard days and the rainy days. If you smile, it's something will turn your way. That's for sure. I love that good attitude. Okay, and a big game coming up Saturday. You're back at it in Waco against Baylor, future Big 12 uh, brother there. But yeah. huge game. <laughs> It'll be a fun one. I'm excited. I mean, every game is just like the one you want to go out there and get and I know the guys are going to be ready after a loss uh, it'll be there they got a good team too so it'll be fun we should get some hot weather out there right it should be warm right <laughs> so that, yeah that'll be, make it fun we get another day game so it'll always be fun but I can't wait to go out there in Texas and uh, it'll be nice to get a pre-taste of what it's like that's right that's right Kate Chubby thanks for the time <laughs> <laughs> and so much of what we hear about uh, Puka and Samson uh, beyond what they bring in skill and ability is uh, what they bring in vibe and personality. Yeah, just, just so much energy. And, um, you know, the, 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 uh, the positivity that, that feeds off of them, uh, it's, it's infectious and, and it, has a, it definitely has an impact on our team and our coaching staff and myself. I mean, it, it's a lot of fun to see them. And they're like that in practice, too. So they're, they're, they just work hard. Um, and, and, and they fit right in with, with our group. And, and so it, it's nice to have them there and nice to see the, all the guys having fun, even when it was you know hard days in, in, in football camp and hard days in practices, coming off of losses, it's good to have those guys as, as a, you know, a, a ray of sunshine. When, when were you first mindful of Puka's abilities as a wide receiver? Oh, you could see it when, I mean, when these guys were in high school, you, right. you can notice their athleticism and, um, you know, they, they have a lot of athleticism and, and talent in their family. and. Uh, those guys, their, their work ethic, I think, doesn't get mentioned enough and how they approach everything that they do. It, it's, um, they were overcoming some injuries, you know, and, and they were always in, involved with uh, the, just the energy with the team. And, and it doesn't matter if they're making the play or not. They're, they're excited to do that. And you, you see it in the way they block. Even if they're not in, uh, on the field when, when the play happens, they're just excited for, for whoever makes the play. 
Now, Samson's in his final year with you, right? This will be it for him? Yeah, I wish I had more. I mean, maybe hopefully the compliance department can figure out a way to get him another one. <laughs> but uh, Puka's got a long career yet. Yeah, we'll, we'll take advantage of whatever we can get from him. We obviously have a lot more games along the way, and, and, and their role is increasing the more uh, they understand the scheme and, and, and the offense. And I know Fessy and A-Rod have a lot of trust in, them, in, the, in those two. All right, you mentioned a lot more games. Let's take a look at the games still left on BYU's schedule this year as the Cougs have hit the halfway point in the 2021 campaign. Six down and six to go in the regular season. Of course, BYU's next win will make the Cougars Bowl eligible, and so we'll be tacking on a game somewhere there in the postseason once the regular season concludes at the Coliseum in late November. But there you are, six games down and six remaining. And as we see on the right half of the page there, Coach, a lot of what happens in the back half happens away from home for you. Yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, mid-season, so we got six more to go, and our focus is just on this one right here, and uh, it's, it's a challenge for us to go on the road, but it's a good way for us to, to rally around each other and, and um, be around each other and, and go out there knowing that, I mean, we'll see our fans out there. I don't, I, I'm sure it's sold out, but... It has been for a while, yeah. yeah. Our, our fans will figure out a way to get in there, and then maybe they'll be in the nosebleeds, but uh, we know our fans will always show up, and so that, that's always comforting going into a... Into a on the road like we are right now. Yeah, there was high ticket demand uh, for this game. Baylor made note of the fact that if you want to get to the BYU game, you got to get after it because these tickets are going to go fast, and they did. Yeah, it should be fun. I mean, I, I think our guys handled themselves well on the road, and, and we're looking forward to the matchup and, and looking forward to seeing some some old familiar faces on the other on the other sideline. We'll talk about that coming up. By the way, BYU 5-1, and one, uh, 19th in the, co in the uh, AP and 20th in the coaches' poll this week. Well, for your day-to-day -day Cougar Sports play-by-play, -play, do watch BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan weekdays noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. When we come back, Kalani's commentary on this battle with the Bears of Baylor and a reunion for the trio for BYU Staffords at BYU Football with Kalani's BYU Football with Kalani Sitake is brought to you by Intermountain Healthcare, official medical provider for BYU Athletics, and by Smith's, fresh for everyone. Welcome back to BYU Football with Kalani Sitake, presented by Intermountain Healthcare, BYU at Baylor on Saturday. Let's take a look at your game day broadcast schedule for this showdown with the Bears from Waco and McLean Stadium on Saturday afternoon. It'll be a 1.30 Mountain Time kick, so 2.30 in the Central Time Zone where Waco is located. We'll have radio pregame at 1.30 Eastern, 11.30 Mountain. Countdown to kickoff on BYU TV joins in at noon Mountain, 1 Central and 2 Eastern Time. The game itself can be seen on ESPN at 3.30 Eastern, and then after the game, you'll get radio and TV post-game coverage. Well, the uh, Baylor Bears, like BYU, a 5-1 on the season. Baylor's lone loss is to Oklahoma State. BYU's lone loss is to a Boise State team that lost to Oklahoma State. Uh, the Bears are one of the top-scoring offense and defense teams in the country. They don't beat themselves. Uh, top 10 in turnover margin. Uh, one of only two teams, Kalani, yet to throw an interception this season as well. Yeah, and, and they, they, you know, quarterback makes great decisions. He's really athletic. He can run. Uh, I, th I think Grimey's doing a great job calling the plays and, and, and organizing that offense. And uh, I mean, I, we've known Dave Aranda for a long time, so he's going to have a defense ready. And, and, and for those that don't know, he's, he was the defense coordinator at LSU. Um, you know, so, so they have, uh, I think they've been able to establish what they want to get done as an identity from offense and defense. And uh, so it's going to be a good matchup. I, I think uh, they, they, 
pride themselves on taking the ball away on defense and taking care of it on offense, and that's something that we, we pride ourselves on too. So we'll see who wins that battle. It's Coach Aranda's second season there at Baylor, and over his season and a bit, season and a half, they have more than twice as many takeaways than giveaways, uh, which has been a big part of their success here in year two. And as you noted, uh, grimy OC Jeff Grimes is there, offensive line coach uh, Eric Mateos is there, and their quality control coach on offense Matt Mitchell is there. People may not know, know the name Matt Mitchell, but he was with you guys uh, last year as a grad assistant. Yes, he was. And, and, and all three of those men have done a great job for us. And I'm really thankful that, that, uh, that you know, their time that they put here, the hard work and sacrifice they put into our program and to our players and the development of our offense. And so uh, yeah, I'm excited to see them. Obviously, we're, we're going to battle it out and see what, what happens in the game. But those are friends that, that, that we can, uh, I can count on having them friends for life. And uh, just really, really thankful for those men and, and, and the hard work that they put here at BYU. Coaches from both sides this week, uh, Kalani, saying that uh, the way that things are communicated and signaled probably are going to be changing up this week because everyone knows everyone's stuff at this point. Yeah, I mean, that happens. They were here for three years, you know, so Grimey was here, and, and, and so the, I'm sure the vocabulary is very similar, but um, when, you get, when you get out there, you just going to have to play the game, and it's the 11 guys on the field doing their job, and, and uh, for us to bring a lot of energy and, and, and enthusiasm to the field, and, and you know, it's going to be a physical game. I, I think, uh, you know, it's a good challenge for our, our, our line of scrimmage guys with O-line, D-line, and, uh, you know, I, I know Grimey, he'll have his guys ready, and Naranda, they'll have their guys ready, and and we need to make sure our guys are ready with this week of prep and that we go out there and, and have a good time and make sure that we, we take care of that field. I know you're happy for Coach Grimes that he got that opportunity, but it's tough to lose a guy that did so many good things for you. A-Rod stepped right back in and things have gone you know, really smooth in the transition. But Baylor, you're not surprised, has really jumped up in their offensive numbers with, uh, with Jeff on board. Of course, and, and, and he, he's, the, he's a great professional. He knows how to do his job. And, uh, you, know, I, you know he was going to make a difference there, and, and he was able to bring Matt and and Mateos with them, and so that they're doing some really good things there. You can see it. You can see it on film when you watch when you watch the games, and uh, I'm really proud of them. But that doesn't surprise me at all. Okay, uh, their quarterback Gary Bohannon, top 15 in yards per attempt and pass efficiency, a top 30 running back in yards per game in uh, Abram Smith. Defensively, uh, massive nose tackle in Siaki Ika, uh, very stout D, especially on third down. And uh, head coach Dave Aranda, as you said, someone you know pretty well, and he's coached against BYU in the past. You mentioned LSU, where he was the DC. He also coached against BYU as the DC with Wisconsin. Before that, as the DC with Utah State, and before that as the D.C. with Hawaii. So he's seen BYU four different times with four different teams before this one. Yeah, and he's got connections with, you know, Kevin Kloon on our staff. He likes a Tuyaki. Up at Utah State, they yeah, together. And, and, yeah, and also Ed Lamb, too. So Down at uh, Southern Utah and, and Redlands right. back in there. And they were, they were right. competing coaches back in the JUCO days. Yeah, so we're very similar in the way we do things. And, and um, I mean, but, you know, you can see the things that he's done and, and, and in his career as a, as a defensive coach. And, uh, you know, you see some of the things take shape with him as the head coach going into their second year together in, in that program, and, and it's becoming his his program now. And, and it's I think you know, having Mateos and, and Grimey and, and Matt there helps speed up the process. Now, before you join the Big 12, you're only going to play one Big 12 team, and that's Baylor this year and next year. Is it kind of cool to have this be a bit of a, a sneak preview of what's to come? Because this will be a league game here in a couple of years. Yeah, and I think that's cool for the fans and everyone, but we're just focused on playing this game. The, the good thing is that, you know, these young guys that when we get to the, to the conference will know what, what it's like to be in Waco and, and uh, to play in that stadium. And so I, I think 
having the, the being a familiar setting will be, be able, uh, able for them to visualize and make plays in their mind as they get ready for the game. And it's a really beautiful venue too, from what I've seen. It's it's relatively new. It's uh, off a river. Uh, quite the game day atmosphere. And it's homecoming weekend for them. They say they put on a pretty big homecoming show there in, in, in Waco. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. That's what college football is all about. And looking forward to the to, to the setting and looking forward to seeing their fans and and. and you know, for our guys to give another opportunity to perform better than we did last week. Uh, low 70s, by the way, for kickoff temperature we're hearing today. Just a little warmer than here. Just a little warmer yeah. than here. You got it. <laughs> All right, we're taking a break. Uh, Mondays at 1 Eastern, we talk with the BYU football coordinators on the Coordinator's Corner with Aaron Roderick, Eli Satuiaki, and Ed Lamb. Tune in live on the BYU TV app, and you can also catch it there on demand as well. All right, coming up next, uh, look in on our Cougars in the NFL and social media questions for Coach and BYU football. BYU football with Kalani Sitake is brought to you by Intermountain Healthcare, official medical provider for BYU athletics, and by Cascade Collision Repair, serious about perfection. see some Baylor football there. Three non-offensive touchdowns for Baylor uh, this year. They can get it into the end zone a variety of ways. Welcome back to the program. BYU Football with Kalani Sitake presented by Intermountain Healthcare. Let's check in now on our Cougars in the NFL. A few stat lines for you to look at after this past weekend, week five in the NFL. Fred Warner, 16 total tackles for the 49ers in their loss to the now 5-0 Arizona Cardinals. Michael Davis, part of a great team with the LA Chargers. Daniel Sorensen and the Chiefs are now two and three. An unusual place for the Chiefs to be in the AFC West. Jamal Williams splitting time productively with DeAndre Swift and Dax Milne. Not only Kalani did Dax record his first catch as an NFL player, but he made it a beautiful. Did you see the catch, by the way? I didn't know. It was a six yarder. That looks pretty pedestrian. One, one catch, six yards. It was a full extension toe drag swag on the sideline. It was really impressive. Yeah, they just need to put him on the field more and throw him the ball. <laughs> He, he can be a difference maker, so hopefully he'll see more time. I'm just laughing at, at, at Jamal's smile there. <laughs> That's how he is. Yeah, it's just who he is, and and, and uh, just proud of all those guys and 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 how they're you know how they play and, and how they connect with the fans. It, it's a lot of fun seeing them uh, live out their dreams playing the NFL. We wish the best as well for Taysom Hill. He's recovering right now from a concussion. He took a hard hit, a uh, really nasty hit. And uh, luckily they have a bye week in front of them, so maybe that's an extra uh, week to get uh, better. But uh, it looked pretty pretty nasty what happened to Taysom on, on Sunday as well. Yeah, and, I mean, he's special talent. So, And it just he heals quickly. He's, he's like Wolverine. He just finds a way to heal faster. <laughs> All right, let's get to some uh, Q&A here on the program. Uh, audience questions coming in tonight. Uh, Lisa asked, uh, what's your favorite stadium you've been to as a coach and as a player? Ooh. I think uh, as a player, probably the Notre Dame game my freshman year. Just because you've seen, you've seen the movies and you, you know that the tradition of that place. And so that was really cool. And I was a freshman. I was 18 years old. So that was like a, a cool moment for me. And then we won the game. Um, and as a coach, I mean, I, I, I've been impressed with all of them and, and the energy that's, that's there. It, it's just nice um, after, you know, not having fans in the stands last year. Just, I think for me, it's just never to take it for granted. I, but I'm really, really impressed. No matter the size of the stadium, just seeing the, the fans and the excitement that, that's in the air, whether it's at home or on the road. But I, it's hard for me to, to, to not love the, the view that you have in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It's something 
it's something beautiful. I mean, that the mountains at the back, and yeah, I, I think that's the, to me, that's the best place. Even when it's cloudy and raining, it's still beautiful. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I wish I had the, the key to the weather like Lavelle did, but maybe it just takes <laughs> a little bit more time. <laughs> uh, question two coming in from John in our audience. How much uh, did the game plan change when BYU fell behind in the Boise State game? Yeah, it changed a little bit, just a little bit more sense of urgency. And then, um, you know, defense, we, we needed to get the ball back. And, and so we, we, we loaded the box a little bit. We knew that Boise was trying to possess the ball and keep the ball away from our, our, our offense. And, you know, that's why I think they, they made a good, shot, a good call by throwing it downfield you know, on the, um, to Shakir. And made a, they made a big-time play. So catch, yeah. I think we put ourselves in, in a really bad spot um, once we started to get down. And, and, and um, you know, but our, our mindset is that we're never out of it. We felt like if we would have taken advantage of some of the situations that we had earlier and that didn't capitalize on it, that's the problem. We, we need to just – we made way too many mistakes at, in, in that game and in this, those 60 minutes. And, and uh, you can't do that against a really good team like Boise. They have a lot of talent, they, and they knew – they knew what was you know what was at stake. They knew that there was an opportunity for them to beat uh, a top ten ranked team, and, and they were hungry for it. And uh, I thought our guy, I was really proud of the way our guys played. I, I thought they played tough, and I thought they played a lot of energy and effort. And uh, you know sometimes this, the bad things happen, and they seem to happen all together. And we just need to find a way to to make sure it doesn't happen again, and, and that we have more success within the sixty minutes and sustain it throughout. But even in the fourth quarter, uh, you were driving enough to stay in the game. It felt like you were still right there, even as things didn't look, uh, you know, so great. Yeah, and I would say offensively, it's just the red zone. You need to get the ball in the end zone. And as much as I, li I love Jake Oldroyd and, and Justin Smith, we don't want to kick field goals. We want to kick PATs. And that's, that's kind of the key to what we want to do offensively and defensively. I would like to see us create more havoc and, and get turnovers. That's going to be the key for us. Okay, you mentioned Jake and this question coming in from Caleb, and you addressed a couple of these guys earlier, so maybe to re reiterate, what's the health status of Baylor Romney, Harris Lachance, and Jake Oldroyd? Yeah, Jake, Jake's doing good. I mean, he, he, you know, he, he's a week-to-week he's a -week type of deal, and, and um, he's doing great, though, much better than he was earlier a few weeks ago. And uh, Harris is, is suited up and practicing, and Baylor, same thing. So... Uh, is, is, right now, they're not clear to play, but we'll wait and, wait and see how it goes in the next 48 hours. And a lot can happen for their bodies to heal by, by then. You've touched on red zone and turnovers. Jonathan asks, uh, what can BYU improve on from last week to this week? If it's not one of those things, what might else you look for this week? Well, I mean, I think everybody talks about the turnovers to take care of the football, but it's, it's, it, it goes hand in hand with everybody playing complimentary football. I, I really believe that for us is, is establishing the energy and the excitement to play the game and, and not worry so much about the scoreboard. And um, that's going to be the goal is, is, is uh, you know, taking advantage of every play out there and, and, and not worrying about playing catch up. I feel like some of the guys got a little bit tight, you mm -hmm. know, and not being behind before all year. I think that that was kind of a, I wish we could have done it all year, not, not ever fall behind. But uh, you saw some guys reaching and, and pressing and trying to do too much and not really just doing their 111th. And it, it, I mean, their desire and want to, that made a lot of sense, but you saw a team like Alabama kind of face the same similar thing. And so, um, you know, we're not immune to mistakes. We make, make mistakes, but the sting of the loss uh, hurts, but it will hurt even more if we don't uh, learn from it, if we don't get better from this. Dave Aranda said he thinks that he's got an angry team coming into Waco this weekend. Is there any truth to that? Oh, I don't know. I mean, there's an anxious team, a team that wants to get back on the field. We feel like 
that was not our best showing uh, last weekend. And I, I don't know if we're angry, but we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, uh, you're never that uptight Kalani. No, I, I'm not, but I, I think our guys are just, they just, they're really anxious to get back on the field. I think they're hungry to, to get back out there and, uh, you know, but I don't, I don't think anger is the, the right word. Maybe like a little bit more excited than eager. they normally would be. Yeah. Intensely, and that's, that's intensely eager. Yeah. And, and I, I've seen it work in, in this week in the practices and that's okay. I, I, I said, they're definitely over the embarrassment of the loss and they're definitely over the guilt and the shame of making mistakes. And now's the time to learn and get better. And I, I've seen a lot of improvement, um, but you know, we got to keep doing it every day and, and get ready for that game on Saturday. Bring tons of energy and effort into it, and I think we'll be in a good spot. Final question from the audience. Eric says, do you have a favorite moment in BYU football history? Ooh, I don't know. I, I, I think a, a bunch of it. I remember when in 1984 when I was a kid and we won the championship. I don't know if they, it, anything could be bigger than that. I remember the parades. I just remember like the excitement. I, I just don't remember what much I learned in elementary school other than the whole roster of the <laughs> 1984 team. And so, I mean, that, that was a good moment in my life though. And, and uh, I, just, I was a kid, I had so much fun. I would, I, I would never been more proud of a, of, a, of, a, of a team ever. That moment was the one that I think sticks out the most. Yeah, my first, uh, my first year in Utah, my freshman year at BYU was 1984. So I have the same special thoughts that you do from that year. Yeah, so for the record, you're older than me. Yes. I just, I just look older than you. That's Elementary school, college. Yes, that's the way it was. All right. Thank you, Kalani. Uh, fans, uh, get set for that's BYU. That's payback from last week. Yeah, I know. Okay. You're getting me back. You're okay. getting me back. Uh, get set for BYU and Baylor this Saturday with Countdown to Kickoff. As Dave, Blaine, David, and Spencer preview the showdown with the Cougars and the Bears Saturday afternoon, 2 Eastern on BYU TV and the BYU TV app. Coming up next, Deep Blue will profile the Nakua brothers and defensive lineman Akunaisa Amahe to join us in studio as BYU football Kalani Sitake continues. Welcome back to BYU football Kalani Sitake presented by Intermountain Healthcare. Well, the Nakua family name has been a part of the BYU football program for the better part of the last decade. First with brothers Kai and Isaiah, and now with the younger ones, transfers Samson and Puka. And family ties form the foundation of the younger brothers' motivation, as we learn tonight in our latest Deep Blue profile presented by Brady Industries. Simply better. So Puka's real name is actually Makea. Puka is a nickname when he was little. Um, probably when he hit about walking age, he just like was this little fat Buddha, had no neck, had this bald head. Puka's one of the most athletic kids I've ever seen in football. So he's got tons of athleticism. Then you look at his body and he's a big body. He takes everything uh, serious and does it um, 100%. Puka's like, all right, we're going to work out right now. I'm like, are you sure, bro? We just worked out like 30 minutes ago. <laughs> and he's like, we're going again. And I was like, all right, sounds good, bro. I'm going to win this game because right here, he's about to gutter both of these right here. He's about to throw them right down the gutter and blow it. He's got two strikes in a row, but he's not like that. <laughs> This is exactly how Samson is. He's always gonna fight for his family. He wasn't even close. And that's why I actually named Samson. Because when he was in my tummy, I just remember feeling like he, he just was this strong kid. That's always been his personality. He's just one of those guys that he steps on the field or walks into a meeting room or whatever. He brings a lot of energy to everything he does. He talks to everybody. 
As much as he seems like he doesn't talk, he talks to a lot of people. It's like he's like the perfect median, I guess. Consistency, baby. I'm out here every time, hitting pins, knocking them down. This kid's just all over the place. It's ugly. It's not beautiful. I play a beautiful game. It's art, what I do. I think he can get annoying sometimes because I spend so much time with him, obviously. Go ride the highs too high, go ride the lows too low. But when you know one brother, I think you know the rest in the Nakua family. And these are guys who are full of life, who are competitive, who are passionate about everything that's in front of them. And I'm just thrilled at the chance I have to get to work with two of the five boys in that family. And I know they're gonna make BYU better. And our job is to make them better uh, because they're here. We weren't the wealthiest. We had a lot of kids and, you know, club sports are really expensive usually because they're traveling 24 seven. But we've made it work. My dad made it work. He had us hustle with him, so he would have us set up the concession stands um, with selling the candy and the drinks during the tournaments. And then at the end of the day, our dad would have us go scrape the gums and then mop the floors down of the, all the basketball courts in the gym. He helped us to learn like ways to like you know give back. There's a lot of good times of working with my dad and stuff. <laughs> he always loved being at the games. He loved being able to just teach his kids, you know, the sport instilling in them that fire and passion to play to win and to give it your best. May 14th, 2012. So it's where Pops is at. Yeah. It's game day a little bit. But, you know, I just came to visit family. Get the mind right. Take a little off football. Actually, when this started, it, there was, it was a baby tree. It wasn't even there, no shade here, honestly. And now it's all grown up. <laughs> Lionel had diabetes. He was a type 2 diabetic. As time had progressed, his diabetes just worsened. I remember him calling uh, for my older brothers to ask him to sit up um, out of bed. They couldn't really even get him up either. My dad just said he couldn't get up. And uh... he was having diabetic symptoms that I wasn't aware of. And so in that time frame that they were rushed to the hospital, his heart was racing so fast. The medications they were trying to give him to slow down his heart rate wasn't working. So they felt like inducing a coma to help. And unfortunately, um, he didn't make it. And then stuff happened so quick and we ended up in Utah. And uh, my mom brought us all here, and uh, probably the best move for us to get out of Vegas, you know, start over. We still did things together as a family, but there was obviously that missing part that wasn't there with us. But there was a plan that he had put together of us just being able to use sports as a platform for us to achieve the, the wants and goals in our life. And that would be a way for us to help, help our family and live his legacy, I guess, in a way. This has been a long time. I wish I could come here more, but it's always been a struggle for me to come here. I guess that's always been the plan. We just stick together with our families. It was only fitting that game once here in Las Vegas, back where he is and where it all kind of started. 
Being a loving, eternal husband and a best friend, he was just good to everyone, wanting to help everyone out, trying to figure figure out every every way possible to help them out and help our family out. Helps me when I'm when I know I'm not where I need to be or when I'm not hitting the goals that I want to hit is remember why I'm doing it and the reason I'm doing it is the example that was set before me is to work hard and to take care of those around me and that's what I'm trying to do. We can all take take it for granted sometimes and the Nakua boys definitely don't. Seeing the way that they represent themselves uh, on the field and off the field has been really impressive for me and it's an honor for me to be their coach. They are very lucky to have their mom that they have. To lose their dad um, in the phase of life that they did, for their mom to raise five boys, those with those types of strong personalities, um, they've kept her young. She's an angel, she's a, a warrior, and um, they're super lucky to have Panina as their mom. Quarantine was, it was really a super nice. Samson came home, everybody was home. It was a hard time but also a good time. A lot of people were, you know, lost some loved ones. Um, some people got sick, but um, for me and my family, I think it, it was the best thing for us. We got to grow a lot closer. We actually got to spend time away from football. It was nice to be home with everybody. It just felt like we hadn't been home as a family together in a long time. As much as I thought I wanted to get out to Seattle, and I love Seattle, and I learned a lot and grown a lot, and I got to see stuff that I feel like I wanted to see and I wouldn't see out here in Utah, but then I was like, I miss you. I miss being around my family. It's what I, it's, I guess, all my family's out here, my mom's cousins and stuff like that. So Puka, you know, brought it to my attention. The timing of everything is just perfect, honestly. It doesn't seem like God will put anything in our way for, like, right now. Like, he said, this is just God's timing. It's all perfect. Everything's aligned. Yeah, I don't know. It was hard. I guess everything, there was nothing bad in, at this, from my situation at the University of Washington. But family... My family's made it easier, I guess, for sure. Being able to come home to familiar faces and, and keep me on track. It was so hard to leave Utah. I mean, they five years up there, they were always good to me. Um, they let me be who I was for my five years, and uh, I was breaking down crying, and I was like, dude, I don't know what to do. I, I know it's the right thing to do to leave, go home, but it just wasn't easy leaving the, my boys like that. And so I just followed Puka's past, just kept praying about it, find peace for an answer and stuff, and find peace within myself to, to see if this was a, the right move. And uh, came to the decision, and uh, we ended up here, and uh, it feels great. It feels, uh, feels like home, honestly. What would you think of these two coming together oh. and playing here now? <laughs> he would be so proud of them. And I'm, I'm positive that he played a, a little part in maybe them coming here. So we, uh, we hear from uh, Penina, uh, the mom in that uh, feature, and, and uh, her mom, uh, Lee, uh, the Nakua's grandmother, just recently passed away um, just in the last couple of weeks, too. So condolences go out to the boys and the entire Nakua family. Yeah, and just, uh, just a pleasure to have them here at home. You know, and I'm just glad I get to be a part of it. And uh, it just, it, we would not be a complete team without them. So uh, just really thankful that they're here and thankful for their family and, and the connection and the energy that they bring. But uh, they're such wonderful young men, and they make me a better person. 
it's so incredible to think about the fact that, uh, you know, Samson was at uh, Utah and Puka was up at, at Washington, and now you get to have them both uh, in your locker room now. Yeah, and, and I mean, the, the talent alone would get a lot of coaches excited, but it's their personalities and, and the adversity that they're able to overcome, and it's their attitude towards everything. Uh, you just, you know, after the loss, hearing Samson address the team and talk to the guys and uh, just their, their positivity, it fits exactly with what we believe in, in the gospel. And, and, and they, they're such faith-driven people that, that they're, I mean, their prayers let them hear. And so uh, what great examples they are. And, and I'm just really proud of them and, and just lucky and honored to be their coach and just really looking forward to the wonderful things that they're going to do in life. I, I think they're going to be amazing. And I know their father's really, and their grandmother's really proud of them. So you say Samson talked to the team on, was it Saturday that he talked to the, talked to the team? Yeah, I mean, they admit Samson talks a lot often, yeah. right? but uh, it's, it's always great timing. And, and um, you know, whether it's the humor that he brings and the energy, but it's like the things that he says is amazing. And, and those two are going to do some great things. I, I don't know what it's going to be, but uh, there's something special about them. And, and, and I'm just glad that their path has brought them here to, to BYU. Yeah, we got we had Samson on the uh, on the headset actually after the Boise State loss too, and even though it was a tough loss, somehow Samson uh, has a way of, uh, of of making you feel like things <laughs> things are going to be okay moving forward. Great stuff. Well, although our next guest hasn't been on the Sitake show yet this season, his deep blue profile has, and now we have the opportunity to get to know him a little bit better. Even please welcome to the set Atunaisa Mahe. Well, I don't know. You were in the back hallway there. Were you able to see um, the, the feature on, on the Nakua brothers at all? Yeah, I was. I was actually watching that just before I came down. What were your thoughts as you watched it or able to see them? Man, uh, you know, just to hear their story, I feel like everyone has a story. And uh, just to hear theirs, it uh, not only motivates me, but it, it's just awesome. Those guys are studs, and I'm, I'm, really, I'm really grateful that I get to be with those guys every day. Your story is a pretty special one, too, uh, that takes you to this place in your BYU career. Let's go back a little ways, though. Um, high school. When you were in high school, it was at West Jordan, right? Yeah, West Jordan. What were you thinking about in terms of next-level football as a high schooler? Oh, man, to be honest, I didn't, honestly didn't really know if I was going to get any opportunity. Um, but it was just a matter of uh, wanting to play football. I really loved football. And uh, we played against a lot of really good teams, so... You know, it was uh, at the same time, it was just really awesome to uh, be able to have received the call and uh, to receive the scholarship. And, you know, I took it. That was the first, you know, receiving it from BYU. Um, that was my dream school. And uh, for that to be the first team, I was like, okay, you know, I'm committed all the way. When did you first meet uh, Nisa? Yeah, the first year. I mean, we, we recruited him, offered him, and uh, just knew that he was something special, you know. He happened to be really strong and really fast and really athletic, so that helps out in football. But there's something about him that, that people are drawn to him. And I mean, just like the Nakuas, he's got this great attitude and great smile and personality. And, man, it's just a lot of fun to be around these young men. And Nisa, Nisa's a, he's a monster on the field, but he's a soft heart and got great faith, and he's just a great extension of his family. And I know his family's really proud of him. You served a mission to Tonga, yeah? 
I did, yeah. And then you came back, and your BYU career was clipping along pretty good. And then uh, 2020 happened, and 2020 was a, uh, a difficult year for a lot of people for a lot of obvious reasons. Can you share with our audience a little bit more about your uh, 2020 year? Man, 2020, uh, I really felt like, you know, being able to, to play with the boys back in 2019 and uh, just kind of coming off of, a, you know, just a really good season for, for us as a, it was um, sort of devastating to sort of go into 2020 and going through, you know, camp and then just out of nowhere being struck with um, venous thrombosis or this, this uh, you know, blood clot in my brain. It was, uh, it was very difficult, and um, but at the same time, of course, I feel like everyone knows, but at, at that time, uh, that was also the same time that my dad got sick, and it was just a wonderful opportunity for me to be there with him and to be there with my family, and, you know, essentially after he had passed, a couple weeks later, they told me that it was completely gone, so I just, I really feel like uh, everything was meant to happen the way it did, and I'm just grateful for the coaches and all my teammates supporting me, you know, telling me to come back. And uh, it's really motivating me to, to work hard and to sort of just get back to where I feel comfortable in, in playing. And, and so here we are now. <laughs> Kalani, did you fear uh, for his ultimate well-being? And, and was football the last thing in your mind at that time? And yeah, because there was a point where we, where we were told that he wasn't able to play the entire season 2020. And then we were nervous about his livelihood. We were just wondering about what's going to happen for his future. And, and with football out of the question, we, we thought it wasn't going to happen. And then, um, you know, at that time, the only thing was for him to go home and, and to rest and, and spend some time at home. And, and he got to spend time with his father that, that entire time. And, um, you know, it's it just, it just, you look at it, and after, his, after the, the funeral, it just seemed like um, when it was gone and they told us it was a miracle. Because they said, hey, not only, not only is he going to be fine, but um, we think he can play football again. And, and that, for us, was a huge blessing. And so we were excited to welcome him back to the team. And, and um, now he's off and running, and, and he's a little thinner than he used to be, you know. And, but he's got the same strength. And just trying to, I'm trying to, you know, you worked hard for it, bro, you know. So, but he's, uh, he's really strong, and, uh, and he has a presence on the line of scrimmage. He, he's a, a big leader for our D-line, and I'm just really excited to get him back. Nice. We're glad you're back with us. Glad you came into tonight. Hang where you are. We'll take you into the last segment with us, okay? Stay where you are. Sounds good. As we go to break, here's our, our trivia question presented by Cascade Collision Repair. Serious about perfection. And there you see, excluding TCU, which current Big 12 program has BYU played the most times in football? The answer is coming up next. Stay with us. <laughs> Seconds to go on the show. Our question was, which... Uh, Big 12 program besides TCU as BYU played the most. There's the answer. K-State, Kalani knew it. For Kalani <laughs> and for Naisa Mahi, I'm Greg Grubel. Folks, have a great week. We'll see you next week. Go Cougs! Go Cougs!